This is Terrell Next on Neurotech, chasing breakthroughs from the bay to your brain. In this episode, I got the chance to talk to John Hopkins, who is one of the founders of iDigital, which is a company focusing on improving radiology technology. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone. This is Terrell Next on Neurotech, and I'm AJ. And today I have John Hopkins, who is um, CEO and founder of iDigital. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Alex. Awesome. Yeah, so if you, if you don't mind, you can start telling the audience a little bit about your background and kind of a little bit about iDigital. Sure. So my background is I've been in uh, teleradiology and radiology practice management space for about 30 years now. I created my, uh, co-founded a company back in 2003. We uh, grew that company from just a local radiology service provider to a, a mostly national footprint uh, teleradiology and disability service provider uh, related to VA as well as uh, private overrated accounts and things like that. We grew that business to about $23 million a year in revenue, sold out to a bigger company. Uh, that company had 1,350 hospitals associated with it, 800 plus radiologists. I became the executive vice president for that company. I uh, worked for them for about a year. Then we uh, sold to an even larger company. And then I uh, worked out my contract and took the opportunity to left to leave and uh, start a different path. And that's where we came to iDigital. Okay, cool. And so this isn't your first rodeo with uh, entrepreneurship then? No, I would, like I said, I've been in it for a long time. Uh, you know, the origination of iDigital was through my sheer frustration of having been in the industry for so long mm. and that the technology is just not a, advancing as well as uh, say technologies in your everyday life right you can ask your cell phone for directions and do all kinds of fun things but when you're trying to get a head ct an emergent stroke patient over to a neurologist mm -hmm. it's an incredibly complex network of infrastructure that underlies that uh, there's no real standards or some standards in the back in the 90s but everybody has their own interpretation of what the standard is there's no interconnectivity from hospitals to other hospitals and it's just a very fragmented marketplace and, uh, with our 1350 hospitals we had we stretched across about six different technology platforms none of which i felt were particularly uh, great at what they were supposed to do so if I was personally responsible for the care of 26 million uh, studies a month, patients a month. So I said, this is getting kind of, or 26 million studies a year, rather. I said, this is getting kind of crazy. We need to have a better solution in the technology field. So once I left the position, uh, I opened my own technology company specifically to drive technology and uh, radiology and medicine in general forward. Gotcha, definitely. And so I kind of want to hear a little bit more about what iDigital is and the kind of like the because you talked a little bit about why you wanted to start your own company with this. Yeah, yeah. so what iDigital does is we partnered early on with Google. Uh, we're Google Healthcare's uh, uh, cloud partner, as well as a technology partner. Uh, we partnered with them early in the process, probably in early 2018, I would say. We started developing with them and another firm, Zasmic, which is a global software firm, uh, to develop a radiology solution, an end-to-end, -end, really, a radiology solution that functions in the RIS and PACS. The RIS stands for uh, Radiology Information System, PACS is Picture Archiving and Communication System, and these systems are what 
forms the infrastructure underneath all the hospitals really in the world and moving images back and forth between radiologists and uh, facilities and radiologists and different facilities, you name it. So this technology has never really advanced since the mid-90s. We worked with Google. We uh, sat down with them for a long time and said, you know, how can we bring to bear on the healthcare sector these technologies that Google spent billions of dollars you know, developing, and how can we get a better solution for uh, healthcare than what we have today, right? So we started out in radiology because that's the field I know the most. Right. We had a you know a teleradiology platform, completely zero footprint. There's no software to install anywhere. Uh, we just give a port and a destination on a local network to a hospital. They send their data and images up. We translate it into some newer technologies that we use to stream data. Uh, similar to the way you stream video on Netflix, we stream images to a radiologist. There's no big data transfer packages anymore. Now we've moved all the points of failure. We really have just two points of failure. If the hospital's got connectivity and the doctor has connectivity, you're up and running. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so. that's awesome. And you're saying, I was kind of curious more about like what the current, so you are mentioning the current technologies of the PACs, right? Kind of want to hear more about yep. what that is in case someone doesn't know. Sure, so PACs is the, the software that, that came out around the time that digital radiography first got on the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. So back in the early uh, 90s, you started to see a lot of evolution in this PAX industry. And this PAX basically just stores and moves images and data sets uh, for uh, imaging. It's not just uh, diagnostic radiology imaging. There's similar studies for, for similar technology around for pathologists and other sort of specialties that require an image. Uh, but basically, it's the standard, uh, it's the, the software, it's the equipment in the hospital that displays images to the radiologists and, and how you move images around. So that's what PAX is. And it operates on a couple of really old standards or one significant old standard, which is DICOM, which is a formatting for images. It's a heavy packet, um, you know, much heavier than if you were to stream something. So that's probably moved away from that kind of data right. infrastructure. Gotcha. That makes sense. And so I was curious about how that, so you're saying, talking about the streaming stuff, is there any like limitations so far in terms of like connectivity or um, in terms of reach? No. So we've, uh, like I said, we partnered early on with Google and we've worked mm -hmm. with a lot of Google, other Google technology partners. A uh, couple of big names that you may or may not know, there's ZebraMed that is artificial intelligence. So they're actually creating algorithms to detect pathologies on image sets. Oh, wow. And as, as they detect, so take my patient I spoke of earlier, I've got a head CT with a patient who has a possible stroke. As those images feed through our platform, we run it through an algorithm that was designed by uh, some very intelligent people like ZebraMed, and they process it and they look for you know, large vessel occlusion, they look for brain hemorrhage, they look for all kinds of pathologies within those image sets, and that's before the radiologist ever sees it. So it, it all happens within milliseconds, comes to our platform, it's tagged whether it's positive or negative, and that is used to then increase the patient's uh, position in the radiologist queue. So has right. positive finding goes up to the top of the list, the radiologist reads it right away. Oh, okay. And then so we have a, yep. Oh, yeah, and we sorry. partner with another company called eUnity for our viewer. So you have to have a diagnostic FDA approved. These are considered medical devices. So they have to go through a whole FDA processing. And this was the viewer that was 
it's the leading beer in the industry, in my opinion, for the zero footprint perspective. And it reads all modalities. So a lot of viewers get they don't do MAMO or they don't do MAMO tomos and pieces. This has the entire spectrum of all diagnostic imaging you'll run into in the field. Okay, gotcha. So it sounds a lot like the technology that you're working with is kind of helping with um, kind of prioritizing what the radiologist looks like, looks at. It makes the images available to radiologists anywhere in the world with an internet connection. Oh, wow. Uh, so it, it's acts, the intention here is to create uh, infrastructure that's nationwide that is much more economical in the current legacy infrastructure that's in there because we take advantage of things like cloud computing software that's not necessarily designed for us, but we utilize it. Right. And streaming technologies and all this R&D that's gone into all the luxuries you're used to now in life. Uh, we mm -hmm. take those, incorporate that into making a platform that's universally accessible to any radiologist, any facility that generates images anywhere in the world. Makes sense. And I was curious, like, why didn't this do come up any sooner? Like, um, if, if there was like already these flaws and whatnot. Well, I have a, I have a cynical theory behind that. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, generally speaking as a guy who was in the industry, for many, 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 many years and spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on PAX technology and the infrastructure to support it all. Uh, you have the area of the space is really dominated by five or six big companies. These are companies you're gonna be familiar with. These are the Siemens of the world, GE, Fuji, uh, there's all kinds of companies that invest in or have this product and this infrastructure is very hardware dependent. So every hospital has a server sitting in their building that operates for their G packs and getting images out of that. It's, it's the legacy technologies are really siloed. So in order to move an image from this hospital to a radiologist that may be two states over, uh, but is maybe an expert in that field, there's no connectivity there. So that information is just siloed and stuck in that local environment. So our solution, you know, I think the basic underlying question is, they don't have an incentive to come up with a more economical solution because they have billions and billions of dollars of hardware out in the field across the world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And it's just not been an economic incentive for them to do so. Yeah, that's, that sounds like usually seems like an issue with some of these things with uh, not updating the technology and the mm -hmm. such. And let's see, I was curious more about, because when you mentioned about internet connection and all that, I always think about um, areas where there may not be that much internet connection, like perhaps maybe like a rural area, like I'm in Wisconsin, so rural Wisconsin doesn't necessarily have the best internet. And um, I was curious if there's like any initiative, I, I saw on your website you have some initiative, or in your bio they have some initiatives for rural areas. I kind of want to hear yeah, more exactly. about that. Sure. So what we've done at uh, iDigital is we've created a rural health initiative where we're partnering with, uh, right now it's 26 states, probably more states before long. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we do is we partner with uh, rural communities. Generally, it's the county or the, the state level. And there's programs out there that offer federal dollars to bring into underserved areas uh, medical technology that they have previously had access to, right? right? So what we've done is we partner with these states or these local communities and we bring our technology in and it's, in our one case study we did just about eight months ago, we saved 85% of the cost of bringing that technology to that community as if they'd have gone with the legacy platform. 
So gotcha. the, our rural health initiative, you know, it's very important to me. I started my career out actually as a technologist in a rural Appalachian mountain community. Um, you know, I started school there. I worked trauma radiology and for years, uh, you know, decided that when I got a little more successful, I wanted to bring some of that uh, technology back to my local community. So I actually, our first flagship rural health community uh, center was in my hometown that I started practicing radiology. So we brought it back home. But the real point is to bring this technology down in cost and to really force the, the radiology community to get more advanced in our technology. Right. And speaking of that, like um, what's been like some of the challenges that you come across with taking this in, um, technology and pushing it forward? Well, the, the biggest hurdle I think we've had to come over is, you know, a lot of the security questions that come up around data data security for patient information. So uh, we worked with a, a gentleman who was the uh, data security officer for Columbia University. And we worked with them in Google and we kind of came up with a, a strategy of multiple encryption levels, bifurcating our information and doing all this uh, information security basically. So security doesn't bleed over. There's no info bleed from one facility to another from one like if you did get access to our database, it's 16-bit encrypted. You would have no idea what it means. And we encrypt both stationary and as we send data to other places, it's always encrypted. So uh, the biggest hurdle is the local hospitals sometimes are not comfortable about moving their data outside of their four walls or right. outside the brick-and-mortal facility. Uh, that's changing, though. We used to run into it a little more frequently than we do now. I think people are accustomed to the idea of, you know, this is the way the industry is moving. Definitely. I was kind of curious, like when you once when you were practicing as a radiological technologist, like what was kind of like that process of starting your company? I think you, you said you met, you had a company before, right? When you yeah. before this, right? And that was during yeah. your time while you were working, right? Yeah, it was. So I uh, actually I started out like I said I was in trauma radiology. I did yeah. pediatric radiology for a little while. I went up and did. Uh, CT and MRI. Uh, never really found the footing I was looking for in my early career. Mm. And then I left uh, inpatient practice to uh, work to outpatient. And that afforded me the opportunity to move into more of an administrator executive role in an gotcha. urgent care company originally. So I, I grew this urgent care company. I didn't own it. I just worked for it, grew it. Mm. Uh, I transitioned out of there. I met a gentleman in North Carolina uh, that was starting up a radiology business. Me and him went together, and we moved that practice. But when I joined, they were doing maybe three hundred and eighty thousand a year in revenue, and within five years, we were doing thirteen thousand, and within seven years, we were up to twenty-one million. So we really grew that company pretty incredibly. And I used, you know, that learning potential. Guy uh, I worked with a great entrepreneur kind of was my mentor as we went through that process. I used that as a learning opportunity to turn around and come up with my own thing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, because I was, I was only curious about that because I like to usually ask my guests like what kind of experiences led up, either led up or helped them learn the most about entrepreneurship and then um, kind of attribute it to their success in a sense. Yeah, well, part of my goal when I uh, went into medicine, you know, I think there's, there's people that, 
you know, out there in the general public think, you know, people go into medicine because there's money in there and this is mm -hmm. a, you know, it's a glorious life. And that is no further from the truth <laughs> than it right. could be. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, you, somebody goes into medicine because they have a, a desire to help people. Mm -hmm. And that's really been my motivating goal. So the original company I uh, co-founded with my partner, we were focused mainly on veterinary services. He was a Vietnam veteran. Oh. Uh, really uh, drove home that message of patients first. Right. And when we ended up selling that company, I went to this larger company. This, again, was a $240 million a year in revenue. When I took over the operations of that company in 2015, I guess it was. And, you know, it really gives you a perspective when you're dealing with millions of patients of care instead of hundreds of patients of care or thousands of patients of care. It gives you a different mm -hmm. perspective on the industry. And, you know, the, the differences you can actually make in the industry. And that was my driving goal. Well, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, because um, I always like hearing more about, like, okay, like, how does, like, your experiences in the past get drawn into your current business? But it totally makes a lot of sense, given what you're talking about. Yeah. And I actually came up with the idea for iDigital. I was leaving uh, RSNA, which is the biggest radiology conference in the world. It's usually held in Chicago. Uh, it's right after a week of Thanksgiving, which is horrible timing. But anyway, I was leaving that and I was with my VP of operations and we were having a hard time getting the study from uh, the hospital to the neurorad who needed to read it. And in the time that she was on dealing with IT folks and all that kind of stuff, we were just walking out of the building and I used my phone to book dinner reservations. I called an Uber. I checked myself in for my flight. I did all that as we were walking on my phone and we sat down in the back of the Uber when it got there and I was just like, this is crazy. You know, we've got people's lives on the line here with this antiquated technology, this inability just to move stuff. It seems so 1990s that we can't just, you know, I can take a selfie of myself on my phone and have it everywhere in the world on Facebook in just two minutes, but we can't get diagnostic medical images on life in the lemur on the line mm -hmm. out to the facility or the physician that you want to get it to. So it was that night in the back of that Uber that I decided I was going to form my own company and it was going to be technology based and we were going to only do things if we could do them better. Right. We that, kind of marry the same technology that's out there. And I was curious, like, because you mentioned that you, you got Google somehow involved. Um, how did that happen? Like that meeting, yeah, it was a very interesting story behind the Google partnership. So mm -hmm. when I originally came up with this idea, I worked with a lot of the, the I contacted a lot of the software designers and programmers of uh, legacy technologies that are out there that I've worked with in the field for 30 years. And I kept hearing the same uh, thought processes of all these different uh, people in the radiology business. So I met up with uh, Jan Kromberg, who is my co-owner, co-founder, and he has a company called Zazmic. It's a global software development firm. So I sat down with him one day in San Francisco, and I said, you know, here's the struggles we're dealing with. Here's the pain points in the industry. How would you, not having any experience in medical or radiology field, how would you solve these things? And the the conversation just went in a direction I thought was a positive way, you know, a new thought process around it. I wanted somebody to look at it from a different perspective than everybody who's been doing it for 20 years. Right. So then we started shopping around. We went to Amazon. We went to uh, Microsoft. 
then we went with Google and I met with Google out in their headquarters, uh, probably early 2018. And we sat down and uh, Google at the time was looking to get in healthcare. They're still, you know, forging, you know, a lot of new technologies in healthcare even today. Uh, but we sat down with the healthcare leadership team there. Uh, they're working on a uh, alpha project of how to break these images down and move them around. Uh, so, right. hey, this is exactly the kind of thing I'm looking for. So we became their test partners and actually helped them uh, develop the software that later became the Google Healthcare API, which is now just went publicly released, I guess it was three months ago or something like that. We partnered pretty early with them. They saw the potential and the, the idea we had of a zero footprint end-to-end -end solution so that there's no you know, inoperability issues between platforms with you know, a general radiologist today, he works, he has a viewer, which is a separate piece of software from, say, his voice dictation, which is a separate piece of software from, say, his work list. So all these different systems have to interoperate with each other. And you, when you get an update in one system, all of a sudden it doesn't pop to the other system anymore. And there's just all these little idiosyncrasies about what we do in radiology. Uh, that They kind of saw the benefit in a unifying platform that did all the functions you need. Everything from order in the exam all the way to billing the exam, and every spot touched in the middle can be done on this uh, zero footprint platform. Interesting. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, some of the neatest stuff we're doing is working with uh, artificial intelligence. This is oh. one of the other driving goals uh, I had when I was founding this company is I wanted to, because I've been going to RSNA for a few years now, and I keep talking about artificial intelligence, but when you work in a hospital, you almost never encounter it. You right. almost never encounter it. And there's a lot of hurdles in these legacy technologists or technologies to uh, applying these uh, artificial intelligence algorithms because you have to do it there at the local level. And it's, it's very cumbersome, very expensive to do it, uh, very time consuming because they, they're going to take your image set, they're going to send it up to their artificial intelligence, which lives in the cloud, and then they're going to send you back a tag. And that takes time. That takes eight to 10 minutes. It's just, it's not very conducive to this. So, you know, one of the ideas was we partner, we don't try to build algorithms ourselves. It's not, that's not what we do. What our goal is, is to connect all these technologies in a seamless way. So we do these integrations behind the scenes. So in the back end of our technology stack, so that if a physician group wants to utilize algorithms from company A or company B, or they want to mix and match however they want to do it, whatever algorithms are available and FDA approved at the time, we make those available on the platform on a single unified uh, appliance or application. So there's no, I have to, as a hospital administrator, I have to contract with an IA vendor to provide the specific algorithm to check for bone cancer or whatever one you want to go with, pneumonia or whatever it is. So I think one of the most exciting things is how we've managed to interface with these companies in the back end of our platform within the Google Cloud platform and offer just about every FDA-approved algorithm that's out there uh, is available to our clients. Wow, that's pretty and cool. Will, and will be as they add more. They just add them to the back end. Dang, wow, that's pretty cool. Because I was, yeah, when I was listening to that, I was thinking, I was surprised that you said uh, that the algorithms have to be approved by the, approved by the FDA. Um, do you know why that is? Like, or how that works? Yeah, so the... There's several different approval processes within the FDA for uh, these artificial intelligence. 
so when I first came here, I was, I guess I was wet behind the ears. I didn't realize how involved all these things were going to be. I thought we would just create our own algorithms and do all this fun stuff. But no, it's, it's much more complex than that. So you have to go through medical trials. You have to go through uh, FDA approval. And the reason being is you're, you're giving a percentage determination of whether a study is positive or negative. And that function is considered a medical device. So that has to be FDA approved. And it makes sense. You don't want, you know, it's probably worse than a uh, not so accurate uh, algorithm missing or picking something up that's not there. The real fear is how often does it miss? So the way these algorithms are rated is not necessarily by how often they're positive, which is a concern, obviously, but how often they call positive or they're they have a positive that is actually a negative or a negative that's actually a positive. So mm. it's, it's a very uh, detailed process. It takes a long time. It takes three to five years to get from, you know, bench to FDA approval. Wow. So and it, you know, wow. So like these vendors focus on that and we focus on the technology to hook it all together. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Cause that, so it, it does make sense to kind of like have that, the algorithm the already approved algorithms just go on the back end so it's like you're kind of making it easier to not have to worry about that whole process it sounds like yeah exactly right and because we're in the cloud and the data lives in the cloud it all happens within a local area network which mm. is really not exactly right it can actually happen inside the same server right uh, because we all have, we have this infrastructure on the google cloud platform but the more important point is you don't have to move the data from place a to place B to get, whether it's evaluated by an artificial intelligence algorithm or a physician, we always just get the data from the facility, we store it, and then we open windows into that storage bucket for whatever use you want to see. So if you want to look at it as a radiologist, we open that storage bucket and show you what's in it, which is an image set in that case. If you're an artificial intelligence, we do the same thing. We open that bucket, let you in, do your thing, close that bucket back back up. <laughs> Definitely cool. And yeah, so I think my, my last question here is um, what advice do you offer for anyone who's interested in like kind of going towards entrepreneurship? I always like to ask that to see because it's always interesting to see people's different perspectives. Yeah, I think the most important thing, so the, there's a couple of things yet. You know, know the space you're going into uh, really in-depthly. Uh, have to, I think can't underestimate the amount of uh, experience uh, time brings. So you, you really have to know the market, know the space you're going into. And then you have to have something that's a differentiator between your service and the other services that are out there. You have to identify what those uh, those differentiators are and how do you market towards those differentiators. Right. So it's kind of the theory that I've used and we've been successful a few times now. I think actually on another company that we just started beginning of this year, which is a service company. It has nothing to do with the technology company, but it's the same thing. You have to really know the space and understand what value add does your service bring versus another service. And it's almost never good enough just to be doing cheap things. That's not going to move people. What moves people is better patient outcomes or better results for whatever your product happens to be. That's the real movers of industry. And as long as you can demonstrate that you know you have this technology that sur any product that surpasses what's out there in the field today, 
and it not only surpasses it, but it has a value add for your workflow or efficiency or whatever it is, uh, that's what's going to motivate them to move off their current solution and on to yours. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for all that. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, this is Alex and this is Turtlenecks on Neurotech signing off.